Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour! Bonjour! Yes. Enjoying this beautiful, beautiful beautiful moment that we have come together to share this holy instant. I'm so grateful. We are going to talk about the rewards of love, the rewards of God. And let's begin as we always do with a blessing. So I invite you to place your hand on your heart as I place my hand on my own heart We take this deep breath of love and gratitude together, so grateful, so thankful that we have this opportunity, this holy divine opportunity to know, to remember, to recognize the fullness of love is what we are, it's who we are, it's the very essence and nature of our being. We're partnering up with that higher Holy Spirit self in order to remember the truth of our being. We are grateful to allow all illusions and delusions to fade, to fade back into the nothingness from which they have arisen. They are nothing. We are consciously relinquishing all attachments to negative views, false views, false beliefs, And disinformation, we are grateful to let it go forever and to know and to recognize the truth, not just for ourselves, but for everyone, because we're one with them. So grateful to share our healing, expansion, awakening, ascension with everyone. In gratitude, we allow this healing to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to look at chapter four of the text, section six. It's entitled The Rewards of God. And when I was asking Spirit for inspiration for this episode today, I got The Rewards of Love. And uh, so let's dive into it here, where we've been really focusing on undoing the ego. And that's what it's all about. We don't have to hate the ego. It's not a thing to hate. It's a thought system. It's an empty shell of thoughts, a box of thoughts. And it's nothing to hate or to love. It's just thoughts. So we can identify with them or not. And we are choosing not to identify with a false creation. So it begins, the ego does not recognize the real source of threat. And if you associate yourself with the ego, you do not understand the situation as it is. And isn't that how it is when we all come to this, that we don't recognize what's really going on. I do recommend that if you're new to A Course in Miracles, you read Gary Renard's beautiful book, The Disappearance of the Universe. It really helps to clearly break down the teachings of A Course in Miracles. And then, uh, if you will, you can come back to the course. I think it'll make more sense. Anyway, that's what I recommend to people. And it's similar to what I did. I started studying the course, and I just loved the language. I loved the thoughts. I was a little put off by the father and the son stuff, but I decided not to let it uh, interfere with my desire to know the truth. I had been studying A Course in Miracles, um, rather, I just I was new to A Course in Miracles then, and I had been studying the science of mind teachings for many years, um, a decade or more. And um, 
was uh, just finishing up my ministerial degree, actually, and uh, had been a practitioner for a number of years, when I I said, okay, this is the year I am going to focus on A Course in Miracles. And then I kind of got um, pulled away from it. And as God would have it, God sent someone into my life, sent a man into my life who said, uh, you might be interested in A Course in Miracles and Disappearance of the Universe. And um, so I had already picked up the course. And so he kept talking about Disappearance of the Universe, Disappearance of the Universe, Disappearance of the Universe. So I finally picked it up and woohoo, that just had me all in for A Course in Miracles. So I mentioned that here because if we associate ourselves with the ego, and we've all done that, we do not understand the situation as it is. And even when we understand the situation as it is, if we're living as though we don't, then do we? Because that's that's my thing as I realized I say I know the truth, but I'm not living as though that is the truth. So I must not actually know the truth. I'm just thinking I believe it, but I don't feel compelled to act in accord with it. So everything changed when I decided, okay, now I'm going to act as though the truth is true and I know it instead of I just believe it. And sometimes I again it can get into a little bit of a little little tiny bit of a thing when somebody will say, "Well, that's your belief," and I say, "It's not actually my belief. It's what I know." And I when I, when that happens, I try to do it lightheartedly. I say, "Well." I understand why people might say it's my beliefs, but I do feel there's a very succinct, very clear difference between what I believe and what I know. I don't believe my name is Jennifer Hadley. I know my name is Jennifer Hadley in this incarnation. I know that for a fact, and I can prove it. It's a legal thing, and I've got the paperwork to prove it. And somebody might go, yeah, yeah, I know. But with spiritual beliefs or religious beliefs, it's a different thing. It's like, yeah, no. I know God is love and that forgiveness is the way out of hell better than I know what my name is at this point. So anyway, I digress. I do feel, for me, as a teacher of God, it is still, here I am digressing even further. I I do believe, I do feel that, and, and believe that it is valuable for me to say in a non belligerent way, sometimes, but not all the time, to say to some people, Yeah, I I get that it seems like a belief, but honest to God, I feel that I know this, that this is the absolute truth. We don't have to agree about that. I'm just cluing you in about me. And if you're interested, we can talk more about me, but we sure don't need to. Um, Because I I feel there's value in the world for people who know the truth to say they know it. But don't say you know it if you don't live it, because then what are you doing? And that was me. I said I knew the truth, but I didn't live it. So I endeavor to identify any place where I'm not in alignment with the truth at this point. That's me. Indeed. I love the truth so much. Okay. Onward. Upward. The rewards of God. The rewards of love. Jesus says, Only your allegiance to it, the ego, gives the ego any power over you. 
And see, that's the thing that's interesting. I know in the political world these days, uh, there's been a lot of talk, and it's I had never really thought about it much before, about how if you have an allegiance by a financial deal with someone and it's um, really important to you, that means that those people might have leverage over you. And uh, there's a lot of talk about these kinds of things in the political arena. And uh, so the thing is here is your allegiance to the ego is what gives it power over you. So when we find ourselves, think of this. This is going to be very helpful, I hope. When you find yourself, as I still sometimes do, arguing to be right, where is my allegiance? It's not to love. Because if, if if I'm arguing with somebody that I'm right, I feel like I've lost my mind and my allegiance is to the ego. And it's far more important for me to say, white flag, let me take a time out. Let me come back here and uh, discuss this later. It's not a good time for me right now. So when we find ourselves feeling upset, oh, right then, boom, our allegiance is to the ego, or we would be in peace. So you see, it's not complicated. It's not rocket science. It's not. Reading the Course may seem complicated sometimes. It may seem like rocket science sometimes. But these principles are not. They're consistent. They all agree And we go on. He says, I have spoken of the ego as if it were a separate thing acting on its own. This was necessary to persuade you that you cannot dismiss it lightly and must realize how much of your thinking is ego-directed. We cannot safely let it go at that, however, or you will regard yourself as necessarily conflicted as long as you are here on the earth, or as long as you believe that you are here on the earth. The ego is nothing more than a part of your belief about yourself. Your other life has continued without interruption and has been and always will be totally unaffected by your attempts to dissociate it. Boom, 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 right there. So clear. So he's telling us that he's been uh, talking as though the ego was a separate thing, acting on its own. That it, And I'm going to say that it has power. And here he's saying, I needed to do that so that you would realize that it's not to be taken lightly. However, the ego is nothing more than a part of your belief about yourself. I mean, this really makes sense, that the ego has no power. There's only one power. It is the power of love within us, because we are made out of love, and that is what we are. We're made out of the substance of love, so love is the substance that we are, we could say. And so how could the ego be something else if God is all there is? It doesn't make any sense. So it's nothing more than a part of our belief about ourselves, just a part of our belief about ourselves. And so that's why I like to think of, Spirit gave me this a few years ago, thank you, Spirit, that the ego is like a puppet. It's just like a puppet. You insert your energy into the puppet, your hand into the puppet, and now the puppet seems to come alive. But without your awareness, the ego cannot come alive. It's nothing. It's just nothing. Thoughts are not nothing with 
they're they are nothing unless someone thinks them puts their energy into them so going on here he says in learning to escape from illusions your debt to your brother is something you must never forget it is the same debt that you owe to me whenever you act egotistically towards another you are throwing away the graciousness of your indebtedness and the holy perception it would produce So when we act egotistically towards another, we're throwing away the holy perception that we could have instead. If we can see that we owe a debt, this is what he's telling us, we owe a debt to our brothers and sisters and to Jesus. So let's see if we can find out more about that. He says the term holy because he was saying holy perception, can be used here because as you learn how much you are indebted to the whole sonship, which includes me, which includes our brothers and sisters, you come as close to knowledge as perception can. As we learn how much we're indebted to the whole sonship, which includes Jesus, You come as close to knowledge as perception can. That is helpful. So let us walk in this world, walk in the talk, live in the love. Let us walk in this world holding consciously that our brother is our salvation. Our brothers and sisters, including our elder brother Jesus. This will bring us closer and closer to knowledge, as close as we can possibly get within this experience of consciousness and perception. He says, the gap is then so small that knowledge can easily flow across it and obliterate it forever. He's telling us, this is how you wake up. This is precisely how you wake up. Don't act egotistically towards another. Even if you feel it, acknowledge it, hand it over to the Holy Spirit for healing. That's what I've learned to do. And it helps. Not only does it help, it cures. It cures. It cures our willingnesses. All that's required. He says, you have very little trust in me as yet. But it will increase as you turn more and more often to me instead of to your ego for guidance. The results will convince you increasingly that this choice is the only sane one you can make. Now that's a fact. And this is one of the things that I began to see in a miraculous way. Holy moly, the more I practice this, the more I walk the talk, live the love, the easier it gets, the clearer, and the more awakened I feel. What? That's why I have to talk about it. I feel compelled because I felt like I was a blind person feeling around in the dark for decades, and I couldn't find my way out of the darkened room. I knew there was a door. I knew it could open. I just felt I couldn't find the magic formula. I couldn't find the abracadabra uh, magic words that would cause that door of perception to open to me. And I felt like, gosh, I'm, I'm finding people who seem to have a clue, and yet this, this stuff is not working for me. Then... I decided to go all in for God and do exactly what he's talking about here and everything changed for me. Prior to that, I really, truly was utterly and hopelessly convinced that there was something just fundamentally wrong with me that this stuff would work for other people but not for me. I just thought, "Uh, what are you going to do? This is it. This is, I don't know how to change this in my lifetime. I don't know how to change it. 
I, I seem to have been born with something wrong with me. I have this evilness, this badness, this wrongness, this whatever that's preventing me from waking up and there's nothing I can do about it. It just is what it is. It is what it is. And so I was at the point of acceptance and then I said, my, I guess my higher self would just wouldn't let me. And so I, I came to a point and it was, it was truly just at the time of finding A Course in Miracles and having become a minister that I decided, that's it, I'm all in for God. That's it. That's it. That's it. I work for God Incorporated now, and I'm going to live in the most dedicated, devoted way that I possibly can. Now, believe me, I fell down every day, many times a day. Oops, I guess I wasn't very loving there. Oops, I was really mean there. But I just kept saying, I've forgiven myself, and I'm going on. Forgiving myself and going on. I'm not going to judge. I'm moving on. Oh, I was just judging heinously. Oh, I'm going to drop that judgment about how judgmental I was, and I am moving on. Forgiveness became my way. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about peace in every step. Forgiveness in every step became. And as Thich Nhat Hanh would say, there is no way to peace. Peace is the way. There is no way to forgiveness. Forgiveness is the way. I began to just realize that's my practice now. A hundred percent of the time, forgiveness. All right, so let's make that gap so small that knowledge can easily flow across it and obliterate, obliterate that gap forever. Moving on to paragraph three here. You have very little trust in me as yet, but it will increase as you turn more and more often to me instead of to your ego for guidance. Now, I can tell you that this is another step that I followed very, very much, again and again throughout the day. Okay, Spirit, lead me. Jesus, lead me. Uh, I, I, I love Master Saint Germain and uh, Quan Yin, Mother Mary. So I would turn to them, Archangel Michael. Michael, 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 <laughs> help me now. Help me now. We're all one. So calling God is the way to go what in whatever expression that works for you archangels ancestors call upon god it works so that's what i learned to do is to turn to spirit for guidance he says the results will convince you increasingly that this choice is the only sane one you can make I sure found that to be true. It just so clearly became so much easier for me to turn to spirit than to try to figure out things on my own. He says, no one who learns from experience that one choice brings peace and joy while another brings chaos and disaster needs additional convincing. So that's why in my programs, what we do is we practice this so we can learn through peace and joy instead of through pain and chaos and disaster. Enough of that. It's just, uh, I got so tired of learning from that. Oh. Yes, and boy, have we been learning from that this year. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I am so ready to shift gears and into a higher level. I don't know if it's going to come right away, but boy, we are going through the birth canal now. My goodness. He says, learning through rewards is more effective than learning through pain. Because pain is an ego. So that's it. Uh, you know, no one could have told me that. I, I would not have accepted it. 
that it's easier to learn through joy than through pain. I mean, it sounds like a big duh, but I have to say, I was attracted to the pain, to the difficulty, to the challenges, to the hurting. It it had to do with these beliefs of unworthiness. And that's why I like to put so much focus on healing that deep-seated sense of unworthiness. Because otherwise, it's just going to come back. It's just going to come back. So, uh, meaning the habits and the patterns. Let's undo them. And that's what I'm about. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, my 40-day meditation challenge is on right now. If you'd like to do a a 15-minute-a-day meditation to really work at the level of the mind, come and join me. Go to jenniferhadley.com to get the details or join our Living A Course in Miracles Facebook group to get the details. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. It's good to be back. (laughs) Ah, One more brief announcement I'm going to make before we get back into the rewards of love is that Masterful Living is going to begin in January and I'm doing something different this year. I am encouraging you to sign up early by offering you some really nice bonuses that you can enjoy this year. So if you would like to be on the wait list to find out about those before everybody else, come and check it out at jenniferhadley.com Masterful Living, Masterful Living, my program. It's quite a comprehensive program and you can get on the wait list. So there you go. What I've learned is that so many of us go down a path of, in some ways, I I used to feel like I was doing that thing of cutting off my nose to spite my face. I would do things that I knew would hurt me in order to take a jab at somebody else. I would be self-destructive in order to get back at somebody else. I, oh, boy, I, I really put a lot of time and energy and focus into things that were ultimately quite self-destructive and I could have totally avoided. But you see, I had no real understanding of what self-love was. I really did feel like I was feeding the ego, the separate self, but I didn't know it was a separate self. I didn't really get that. It took me a while to get that. Even though I was a spiritual teacher, there was still so much I didn't get. And I'm sure there's still a ton that I don't get. And and that's the amazing journey And that's why I love holding hands with other people and doing this together. Because when we can do it together and be in a community of like-minded individuals holding on to each other, I have found it is so much easier. I did so much where I felt like I was on my own in so many ways. Because I found that my a lot of my fellow spiritual students only wanted to go so far that um, a lot of them just didn't want to go to that place of real dedication and devotion. And I can see now that they didn't realize it was possible. So they didn't want to say yes to that and fail. 
What I somehow came to see, thank you, God, is that falling down all day long is still get and getting up all day long is still dedication. So somehow I saw, oh, I can be all in for God and still stumble and fall again and again and again throughout my day. It's not the falling down, it's the getting up. And so I'm just so glad I had that realization because otherwise I would have gotten too discouraged. And I was close to getting very discouraged when I just decided to roll up my spiritual sleeves and go for it. So there you go. And I also decided to stop focusing on reading books and gathering information anymore and decided to focus on my practice. And that is the thing that made all the difference. And uh, I guess you're ready when you're ready. And so we can pray to be ready, which I certainly did. So let's go back here. He says that, so just to recap, you have very little trust in me as yet, but it will increase as you turn more and more often to me instead of to your ego for guidance. The results will convince you increasingly that this choice is the only sane one you can make. No one learns from experience that one choice brings peace and joy, while another brings chaos and disaster, needs additional convincing. Right? We don't need any more convincing. We're convinced. <laughs> learning through rewards is more effective than learning through pain, because pain is an ego. Illusion and can never induce more than a temporary effect. So that's why punishment doesn't work. Punishment doesn't work. What works is to be able to correct. And that's what I finally, finally got. He says here, The rewards of God, however, are immediately recognized as eternal. Since this recognition is made by you and not the ego, the recognition itself establishes that you and your ego cannot be identical. You may believe that you have already accepted the difference, but you are by no means convinced as yet. The fact that you believe you must escape from the ego shows this, but you cannot escape from the ego by humbling it, or controlling it, or punishing it. Yes, why? Why does humbling the ego, controlling the ego, or punishing it not work? Because the ego is not an entity. It has no volition. It doesn't. It is a thought system that we are placing our awareness inside. So, and humbling ourselves, controlling ourselves, punishing ourselves, this is not the way. And there's no way to do it to the ego because the ego is just a bunch of thoughts. It's like building things with light bulbs that you don't have any electricity for. Nothing is happening until you put some electricity into it. Our awareness is the electricity that lights it up and makes it something, right? A thought has to be thunk. It can't just be, otherwise it's just an idle thing. But once we start entertaining it, there are no idle thoughts if we're entertaining it. Okay, moving swiftly on here. The ego and the spirit do not know each other. We're in paragraph four now. The ego and the spirit do not know each other. The separated mind cannot maintain the separation except by dissociating. So what's what's happening is we are no longer clear what our identity is. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to experience the separation so acutely. But once we make that dissociation, now we're identified with a separate self, a false construct. He says, having done this, 
It denies all truly natural impulses, not because the ego is a separate thing, but because you want to believe that you are. Okay, so this is what occurs, is we make a choice, call it a decision, to believe that we are a separate thing, separate from God. This is a decision that we make, which is why unity is the decision we must make. Responsibility, forgiveness, these are the decisions we must make to undo the decisions we've made in the past. Boom. (laughs) Boom. That's for you, Elizabeth. The ego is a device for maintaining this belief, but it is still only your decision to use a device that enables it to endure. The ego is a device for maintaining this belief, but it is still only your decision to use the device that enables it to endure. Okay, so again, it's a decision. Heaven is a decision we must make, and we can make it today. I'm choosing heaven today. That's uh, a chant that we sang at Agape that Ricky Byers wrote. Uh, I sang in the choir there for 11 years, loved every minute of it, almost every minute of it. <laughs> it was so, I really did love it so much, so, so much. And... uh I'm choosing heaven today. I'm choosing heaven today. Yeah. So I think about that on a regular basis. What am I doing? I'm choosing heaven today. Where am I going? I'm going to heaven today. What's happening here? I'm choosing heaven today. Oh, wait a minute. What am I doing? I'm choosing heaven today. (laughs) Do you ever do that? Do you ever go into a room? I do this... uh, um, Occasionally, I go into a room with such purpose. I go in there and I look around and I say, I came in here for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it's coming back to me with clarity. And in the meantime, I'm choosing heaven today. Yeah. (laughs) So good when it's so clear. We can't deny it. He says in paragraph five, how can you teach someone the value of something he has deliberately thrown away? Hmm. He must have thrown it away because he did not value it. Hmm. You can only show him how miserable he is without it and slowly bring it nearer so he can learn how his misery lessens as he approaches it. So the misery lessens and the happiness increases the more we return to that which we threw away. We threw away heaven, and now it's our willingness is all that's required to get it back. He says, this teaches him to associate his misery with its absence and the opposite of misery with its presence. It gradually becomes desirable as he changes his mind about its worth. I'm teaching you to associate misery with the ego and joy with the spirit. You have taught yourself the opposite. You're still free to choose, but can you really want the rewards of the ego in the presence of the rewards of God? Hmm... I know I have chosen the rewards of the ego so many times. And I would say to you now, it was because in those moments, I did not recognize the presence of God was available to me. I did not recognize the rewards of God were available to me. It was a voice distant in the past some bare remembrance. But just as he's talking about in this section, the more I chose forgiveness, the more I chose for 
compassion, the more I chose not to see my brothers and sisters as separate from me, but part of me, then, aha, I began to see I could choose heaven today, not in the future, but now, actually, right now. And so I began to look for any time that I wasn't feeling good, happy, peaceful, harmonious, balanced. Ooh, could I choose more love right now? Could I choose more peace right now? Is there any more of heaven that I can let in? Can can I release the blocks to love any more right in this moment? And I began to find that the answer was, heck yeah, when I was partnered up. That's why I started partnering up. He says, my trust in you is greater than yours in me at the moment. But it will not always be that way. Your mission is very simple. You are asked to live so as to demonstrate that you are not an ego and I do not choose God's channels wrongly. The Holy One shares my trust and accepts my atonement decisions because my will is never out of accord with His. I've said before that I am in charge of the atonement. This is only because I completed my part in it as a man and can now complete it through others. My chosen channels cannot fail because I will lend them my strength as long as theirs is wanting. So, you see, if we can say, Oh, Jesus I would like to be your channel. I'd like to be that channel for love, that vessel for love. I'd like to know the rewards of choosing love. So even though in this moment I have no idea what choosing love could look like or feel like or be like or what I would do or say or any of that, in my heart I am choosing love. Guide me what to do, what to say. I'm choosing love. I am here for God. Work through me. Live through me. As me. Show me the way. You see, it's the anti-separation stance that we can take. It's the unity stance that we can take in our mind that is so deeply healing. It's learning to place our trust and faith in Literally in Jesus, which um, if you had told me many years ago that I'd be talking about placing your trust and faith in Jesus, I would have said, oh boy, I don't know where you're getting that from, but (laughs) I'm there now. I'm there now, and I'm so happy to be here now. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. He says here, Now we're in paragraph seven. I will go with you to the Holy One. And through my perception, he can bridge the little gap. Your gratitude to your brother is the only gift that I want. Let's take this literally. Let's be 100% literal about this. This is the only gift that he wants is gratitude to our brothers and sisters. Let's be grateful that they are triggering our stuff so we can get our stuff healed. The thing is, is we're not grateful to them when they trigger our stuff, which is not their fault. They did not install the buttons. They just are directed to push them by spirit. They're being so helpful to us, but we reject them. We hit them hard with our words and our cold looks and our withdrawal and all of that stuff. But they're actually acting by divine impetus to push the buttons. So the bush, we can see that the buttons are triggered and it's time for us to choose healing and not to just bury it deeper. 
or to be upset one more time. They're helping us. We can be grateful. But when we feel helpless and hopeless and we don't have the tools and we don't have the practice, we just feel annoyed. We just feel frustrated. We just feel upset and bothered. So that's on us. Instead, if we can go to gratitude. I've talked about this so many times. Go to gratitude. This is the only gift that Jesus is asking us for. Gratitude. Oh, I'm so grateful for my brother who triggered me, for my brother who pointed things out to me, for my brother who's helping me to see, for my brother who shows me that whatever it is, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful. Because then what happens is automatically when we're grateful, our vibration lifts up. And when it does, we can see and hear and feel and know more clearly what the truth is. And we can recognize the divine direction. I'm so grateful that I've been triggered. My stuff is up for healing. I can choose healing right here and now. And that's what I do. Higher Holy Spirit self, I'm choosing the healing right here, right now. Jesus, I'm choosing the healing right here, right now. I don't know what it is. You do. You you point the way. You show me. I'm so willing in this moment. There, you see the power of gratitude. We went from gratitude to this extraordinary willingness. And that, I found, helped me so, so much. There's so many ways we can practice, and it's powerful. It works. It really is transformative. Oh, my goodness. Reading and studying is not transformative. Practice is transformative. Choosing love, choosing gratitude, choosing willingness. This is what's transformative. And it's so easy to get discouraged, right? This is why it's helpful when we can go together. We can hold on to each other. He says here, I will bring it the gratitude for your brother. I will bring it to God for you, knowing that to know your brother is to know God. If you are grateful to your brother, you are grateful to God for what he created. Through your gratitude, you come to know your brother. And one moment of real recognition makes everyone your brother because each of them is your father. Love does not conquer all things, but it does set all things right. Because you are the kingdom of heaven, I can lead you back to your own creations. You do not recognize them now, but what has been dissociated is still there. As you come closer to a brother, you approach me, and as you withdraw from him, I become distant to you. Salvation is a collaborative venture. How powerful is that? I know it to be true. Salvation is a collaborative venture. It cannot be undertaken successfully by those who disengage themselves from the sonship because they are disengaging themselves from me. God will come to you only as you will give him to your brothers. Learn first of them, and you will be ready to hear God. That is because the function of love is one. Think of this. Buddha said when he walked the earth, Buddha said that the fastest path to awakening is the middle way. Right? He tried, he tried the life of the hedonist, Right? He tried that. He tried the life of the ascetic, right? living on one grain of rice a day and hanging out with some 
pretty intense folks who are into deprivation and things like that. And he said, no, the middle way, the way of the householder, person living with other people, engaging with other people, person in relationship with other people, that is the fastest path, the middle way. It's not to go live in a cave and be an ascetic, and it's not the path of hedonism or exploring all the pleasures of life, the physical nature of life. It's the middle way, living in balance, but being in relationship with others. He says here, God will come to you only as you will give God to your brothers. Learn first of them and you will be ready to hear God. That is because the function of love is one. We just had in our Sundays with Spirit, Sunday celebration service that we're doing every week. Come join us. It's free. Uh, We had Mary Gerard Lenihan, a wonderful longtime teacher of A Course in Miracles, and, um, and I was doing the guided healing meditation, and I was sharing about how uh, becoming a spiritual counselor was one of the most profound things I ever did to heal my own heart and mind because I had such a deep commitment to see my brothers and sisters as perfect, whole, and complete. And that actually, because I I held that so closely, it forced me to see my own wholeness, perfection, and completeness. So I had an even greater healing than my clients did. It's amazing. Oh, and by the way, I've got my spiritual counseling training intensive coming up. First time ever, I'm doing it online and in person. So all the details are at jenniferhadley.com, my spiritual counseling training intensive. This is an intensive healing. Come and join us. It's open to anyone and everyone who would like to improve their relationship and communication skills and all of that. Yeah, we've got a lot of good things going on right now. It's a time for us to practice, 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 deeply, 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 joyfully, 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 merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a dream. (laughs) I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I love A Course in Miracles. The rewards of love are ours. So grateful to place my hand in my heart and say yes to God, yes to love, yes to healing. We share the benefits with everyone. We let the healing be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mwah!